This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. This is the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Today on the show, we are joined by former major leaguer Les Norman. He's a former guest. He's back with us. And, man, he is tremendous. He's got such a great just spirit and attitude about him. And, and he shares his, his faith uh, story and, and the, way, the, the, the time and, and how he gave his life to Jesus. And pretty dramatic, pretty, uh, pretty remarkable, and, and just, just wow. So you'll, you'll be moved uh, by today's conversation. And then all that he's doing now, uh, I think you'll, you'll love hearing about just some different, different thoughts he has uh, just about his own faith journey and how we can relate to it. So we'll, uh, we'll get to it in just a moment. Uh, stick around at the end of the conversation. I'll unpack the interview a little bit further. Uh, also encourage you to check out our website, unpackingit.com. And while you're there, you can subscribe to our email devotional that we send out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We take a current sports story related to the Bible, related to our own lives, and you can subscribe for free on unpackingit.com. We are brought to you by MediShare. Our friends at MediShare truly strive to make a positive impact in the world. If you're looking for an affordable, reliable health care option that you can trust, check out MediShare today. MediShare.com slash unpacking it. My wife and I, we've been members for, for over five years. MediShare offers programs for every budget. So if you're an individual parent, small business owner, ministry leader, or you're self-employed, MediShare has options for you. And so the best part is their members on average save 50% or more on their health care costs. So find out if MediShare is the right fit for you. Go to MediShare.com slash unpacking it. Well, right now, let's jump in to former outfielder for the Kansas City Royals, Les Norman. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Unpacking it with Bryce Johnson. And joining us now on the MetaShare guest line is Les Norman. He's a former Major League Baseball outfielder for the Kansas City Royals. He's a radio podcast host and inspirational keynote speaker. He's also a life and executive coach, a husband and a father. His shows are called Breaking the Norm and the Watching World. Check out lesnorman.com. It's been over five years, but Les is back on unpacking it. Les, how are you? I'm good, man. Five years. Really? It's been five years? Wow. Too well, long. you know, it, it is. It is. But you know, when you when you have a, a brother that's that's like minded and someone that you love and care about, man, five years can seem like five minutes once you reconnect. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm I'm excited to do that. And before we jump into a lot of the stuff you're doing, and, and we're going to encourage listeners today, and in a lot of different ways, hopefully, uh, I got to get your thoughts on on baseball because baseball's just starting up for this season, and, and Major League Baseball in particular, uh, of course, with some of the the lockout concerns and all that. But it's back. But you know, a lot of people always evaluate, especially you know, kind of any sport, either at the beginning of the season or the end of the season, the state of the sport. How do we feel about the sport? What do we like? What do we not like? Where do you come out on today's game? How do you feel about it? 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. Um, we do a show here, uh, a TV show in our local cable network, uh, the cable channel Sports Spectrum and the, uh, or I'm sorry, not Sports Spectrum, Spectrum Sports. I had that ba- backwards. Um, yeah. So on, on Spectrum Sports, the show's called The Blue Zone Show. And they asked me about that. And, and I'm a traditionalist, man. I'm old school. And the conversation came up based on the Giants-Padres game. Should you steal? It's the unwritten rules of baseball. Should you steal when you're up nine runs? Should you bunt for a hit when you're up nine runs? And so I feel like there's this paradigm shift that I'm having to be pulled along. It's this new generation of baseball. It's this new generation of a game. I'm the guy, I'm the little kid that, you know, pops his thumb in his mouth and will hold his breath till his face turns blue kind of thing on. It's got to be old school. It's the way it has to go in baseball. But, you know, there, sometimes I feel like there's, there's meddling in, in the MLB office with, with Manfred in, well, we want to make this change. We're going to expand the bases and there's a pitch clock and we're going to do the California rule with the runner on second base and all these things. But, but look, the game is changing and it's going to change regardless. So, I'm really trying to keep myself into as long as there's baseball, there's always opinions on both sides. And of course I'm always on the player side because I know what it's like to be on the field, but um, the game is still exciting for fans. They're catering to this, this new younger generation of fan and that's okay. Um, As long as the major changes don't happen, it's still exciting baseball. I think there's more parity in the game than there used to be. It used to be like the Yankees and everybody else. So the Yankees and Red Sox and everybody else. So I think we're seeing a little bit of that change. So I'm still a fan. I'm excited. And here's a cool thing I'll end on. This stuff kind of jazzes me still that on opening day in Kansas City, you know, being a former player, the Royals give us four tickets and a parking pass to every home game for the rest of our life. I mean, how awesome is that? Oh. Yes. Really? And, yes. And the park, the parking is like right next to the gate. And, and I have a 21 year old son almost and a 17 year old son. And, you know, we still love going out. So opening day, we're out there. The Royals ended up winning. Granky's pitching. It's one nothing. And we're in the middle section, not the, like the lower section, but that middle section at Kaufman where there's not a whole lot of people. There's no lines for bathrooms. There's no food lines. It's spacious. And we were like right on the railing. So it's freezing cold. My son says, I'm going to go up and get uh, a pretzel. So he goes up and gets a pretzel. We're, I'm in like my snowmobile mittens and I've got hand warmers inside. And Salvi's up and he crushes one to right, but in foul territory. But the wind pushes it back. I stand up and the ball lands right in my hands. No! As, as a former player in the fourth oh. inning of opening day, I end up catching a foul ball. I and, love uh, it. Oh, it's great. And my son comes back. I said, you'll never guess what happened. And I'm like holding the ball up and I give it to a kid, a little kid, because my Aww. son's had enough, but he's had plenty of baseballs. But, you know, <laughs> that that kind of stuff still jazzes me. And it, it points me back to what I felt like when I was making my debut in the big leagues, which takes me back to what it was like to be a kid and how I discovered mm. baseball. But then it all comes back to how I came to faith and found the Lord in and through baseball and and what that means to me more than anything amen well i love that and how when's the last time you've caught a ball because i'm thinking back gosh yeah. it's been a long time since i caught a ball but that's a that's a thrilling feeling you know it's it's weird i've never had a hole in one in golf because i'm a really bad golfer oh i'm so bad but yeah. i've caught three balls in okay. in at uh, royals games the first one it was when I was playing and I was on the injured list and Bob Boone was our manager and he didn't want injured guys hanging around the clubhouse or sitting in the dugout. So he made us go sit in the stands. And so <laughs> I had done my rehab. It was the third inning. I walked up, found my fiance at the time and we weren't married yet. And so I grabbed her and we were walking down the, the third base line to go see my father-in-law and her half brother. And all of a sudden Jose Offerman's up. He's a lefty. Crack of the bat, it hits right over the top of our head. Oh. The guy, the guy misses it, and it literally drops in my hands, just like it did the other day. And so I end up giving that ball to him. And then um, in the, the the season I retired in two thousand, um, I was done with a Triple A season. I'd retired, and I went to watch some September baseball. And uh, I was sitting about twenty rows behind home plate, where you could see in the dugout. And Sw- Mike Sweeney's a friend of mine, and he was up there like waving. And I'm like, dude, you're supposed to be paying attention to the game. <laughs> and there were these four nuns sitting in front of us, and there was a hitter up, and someone fouled one straight back, and it was heading right for them. All oh. four of them ducked, and again, <laughs> it landed right in my hands. So I, my hands are a magnet for foul balls. So it's crazy. 
I love it. That's awesome. That's tremendous. I, I think the one I got was off the uh, like the funnel cake stand. Nice. It hit it. I caught it off. Some kind of it hit the ceiling of something. So, um, Does it have any funnel cake juice roof, on it? Roof. That's right. I know. I know. Lick, lick it right off. <laughs> um, no, that, that's awesome. Well, we, we've had you on the show. We, we, we talked about your, your faith journey, but we've got new listeners. And, and so you, you just mentioned how, how baseball, uh, you kind of alluded to it. Why don't, why don't we catch up our, our listeners a, a little bit and, and, and give, give some, some background on, on your faith journey? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for asking that. I appreciate that. And, and welcome to all the new listeners. This is an awesome show, man. Um, yeah, always unpacking it, aren't we, buddy? That's right. <laughs> yeah, That's absolutely. Right. So um, I, I I grew up in a small town in Illinois, and I had an abusive dad. Um, he was an alcoholic, yeller, screamer, puncher, really physically, emotionally, mentally abusive. And so um, I was more into my escape was math. And mm. I had a it was because I had a father figure, Mr. Kekka was a father figure to me and he would stay after school and I don't want to go home. So I would stay after and just work on math. And I developed this passion for math. And, you know, I was second grade, I was tutoring fifth graders in math. I mean, he was such a great teacher and, and I just really, really gravitated to it. And so eventually though, you have to go home. And so uh, one day you drove, you, I rode my bike past the local baseball park and it was one or it was like one day or the two days until the end of school, summer was coming and you drive by and I went through the woods and then home and I pulled up to our porch. Uh, we lived in this tiny little beat up rundown trailer. And I heard my dad yelling and screaming. They were going at it. And so I said, you know what? I'm not doing this. I just put my books down. I had this old beat up glove that was on this porch, grabbed it, went down to the baseball field. And, uh, you know, they, I watched them play. They didn't let me play for a little while, but eventually um, they let me play. I developed a passion for it. I was the smallest kid in eighth grade. Um, all of a sudden, sophomore year of high school, I grew about a foot and a half, went from like four, four nine to about six feet tall. I'm skinny, dude, but started to develop some, some baseball skills. And my dad left when I was 12, so I, I turned into this really rebellious kid. Didn't care about uh, math as much anymore. It was, it was more in high school. It was about uh, cared about girls, cared about sports, cared about alcohol, um, and just anything else, but, uh, there was no faith in my life. Nothing. Like, I, I just kept here. No, you just have to be a good person. Mm. So I, I graduated high school, uh, played on the junior Olympic team, won a gold medal for the North team in 87. Um, so I was starting to feel a little bit, you know, big for my britches and, and I was passionate about baseball. I worked really hard at it. Was an all state football player, but I only played one year of college and I was getting just, you know, when you're looking up, uh, at a, at a punt coming down. And then when you catch it, they're right on top of you and crushing you. No, thanks. I'd rather look up at a fly ball and, and not get hit. Uh, so I stopped that after my freshman year, uh, I was an all American, a first team all American two years at St. Francis and Joliet, Illinois. But, um, when I got to my sophomore between my sophomore and junior year, um, I knew I was good at the game and I'd worked really hard at it. A lot of passion, uh, but um, I was really becoming arrogant on the outside. I was, it was the life of the party and the alcohol. And um, but I really is all me, me, me. Um, and, and interestingly enough, it's it's a battle that I've faced my whole life. This battle with the flesh of it's not about you. It's about mm. Jesus. You know, Easter's coming up and it's a great reminder, man, if it wasn't about Jesus, we'd have no hope whatsoever. And so uh, I, on the field, just doing great um, at the party great but the jersey i was wearing and the alcohol i was consuming and the people that i was with were actually the masks that i was wearing because on the inside i was becoming depressed um struggling struggling mentally emotionally so my senior year i got drafted my junior year by boston and i was promised by a scout you know you the quote air quotes promised uh, about a hundred thousand dollars uh top 10 rounds was voted one of the top 10 players of the year boston drafted me but uh, it was like the 23rd round, which I should have been thankful for. You know, in 1990, the 23rd round and being offered 2000 and eventually up to $30,000, that's a lot of money back in 1990. Mm -hmm. But um, instead of signing that contract, I felt like I'm worth more than that. I'm a gift to this game. And uh, mm -hmm. I mean, imagine the pride of thinking <laughs> that and saying that. But yeah. it's the truth. It's, it's how I was. So... 
I went back for my senior year and I went from being an all American best on the team, all world to getting kicked off in the fall as a captain for anger issues. Mm. Uh, wasn't going to class, uh, alcohol constantly to numb the pain, eventually got drafted by the Royals. And it, that was a gift. And, you know, God has that sense of humor that the first offer for the Red Sox the year before was 2000, went up to 30,000, still turned it down. And the only offer by the Kansas City Royals was $2,000. Wow. And I, I remember asking the scout, said, is there any way you can do more than $2,000? And uh, Tony Lovato, great man, uh, he said, son, listen, you're a good ball player, but if you don't sign this and take that $2,000, you're not going to be playing professional baseball. So uh, you may want to, and he just handed me the pen. I said, "Never mind. Where do I sign? I'll wow. sign it. I went out to short season. I'm almost done with this. Um, I went out to short season ball in Eugene, Oregon, and I couldn't believe what I saw. I mean, there were guys five eight, five nine, hitting with wood bats, which I'd never hit with before. And hmm. they were just in batting practice, just hitting bombs. And, and they had wood bat swings and professional swings. Because, you know, California, Arizona, Texas, Florida guys, they're playing year round. I'm playing in Chicago suburbs where you go to Winona State at the beginning of the season and you're you're trying to find the ball through snow flurries. And so there was a toughness there, but um, I just it was all aluminum. And I had uh, I got to play for a little while. They signed a first rounder out of Alabama named Joe Vidiello. So I was a backup player. Um, I was hitting 160. And when you're when you are drafted in the 25th round, signed for two thousand dollars and you're hitting 160 you're heading for getting released at the end of the season. So I humbled myself in the hitting area. Tom Poquette was our manager. And I said, Pokey, teach me how to hit with a wood bat. I'm struggling. So every day before and after I worked and worked and worked, um, just instead of trying to get a hit, I just tried to do what he told me with timing and hands. Ended up uh, sliding into home plate on a close play and separated my left shoulder. Um, tore, oh. a little, tore a little bit of stuff. It was, wasn't my throwing hand. But it was my it was my lead hitting hand, and that's a problem. Mm. And so um, I thought they were going to release me. So I told them I was fine, but I was just pounding 16, 20 different Advil a day, alcohol oh. at night, um, oh. just abusing my liver, uh, just tearing my body up. Um, but through this whole time, we had a first base coach named Bobby Meacham, you know, the former Yankee shortstop. And Meach would always go to this chapel service. You know, you don't go to church, but so church comes to you and you have chapel services. So I was hearing the gospel for the first time, and I'm like, what is this? I mean, Bryce, what is this thing about we're hearing about getting saved? I mean, I didn't fall out of a boat. I don't understand what that means, getting saved. Well, why were you going? Why were you going to it? Yes, exactly. That's a great question. I was just going to say that. For me, I'd raised so much hell for six days that I needed a little bit of heaven for seven days so that on Monday I could I could start fresh and, and raise my hell again. and. Mm. Um, but that was, I think, the academic part of it. But there was hmm. something in my heart that was missing. And I think I could tell. I think that was the Lord just pulling me, even though I didn't know what he was doing. He was working in my heart. And I just had this pull to go. Wow. I, w I would never talk. Um, I would just listen because I didn't even know what I was hearing. But I was drawn to going. I was almost ashamed that I was there, yet I couldn't not be there. Hmm. And Bobby Meacham would always talk. And he would talk about um, what it meant to be a godly man and the gospel and that Jesus died for our sins. I'm like, whoa, this is blowing my mind. But I think we all know, and this is one thing I love about my bride of 25 years, that you can tell her what you think, but the proof is in the pudding. And her discernment is such a gift from God that she'll trust you when your life matches what your lips vibrate on, you know, and mm -hmm. the more you say it. And so Bobby Meacham would talk the game. And then after the game, whether we won or lost, he had three little kids. And he would always hug his wife and look her in the eyes and kiss her, tell her he loved her, and then give his attention to his kids. I had so many coaches that when they got on me, I felt like they hated me. It wasn't like Mr. Keka in second grade, who was also a baseball coach. Um, when, Meech, when Meech got on you, he got on you, but he challenged you. And it was always, for the first time in my life, he spoke the truth in love instead mm. of the tr truth in hate. And, and remember, I'm I'm dealing with father wounds, man. I don't trust men that are older than me at all at that time. And so I kept going. And then um, I got my average up from 160 to about 245, hit a couple home runs, 
dove for a ball in the outfield when we were in uh, on, on the road somewhere in Washington. And when I dove, I separated my shoulder again, but this time I tore my rotator, my labrum, my biceps tendon, part of my pec muscle tore off my shoulder. And I knew it was time for reconstruction. So a few days later, I sat in the clubhouse at 22, arm in a sling. And, and Bryce, it was weird. I remember thinking, I cannot believe the game is going on without me. Hmm. I mean, no, no one's calling me. Nobody wants to interview me. I mean, I'm the professional athlete. I'm Les Norman. How do, how do they not pay attention to that? And, and I remember thinking I've worshipped alcohol, women, myself, the mirror, the media, the game, everything you can think of. And it's all come to nothing. Mm. And so I, I made the decision at 22, sitting in that clubhouse, that that night when I got home, I didn't know how, but I was determined that I was going to end my life. I was going to commit suicide that night. And at that moment, at that moment that I, I made that decision, Bobby Meacham came through the clubhouse and the game was, was supposed to be going on. And he had forgotten, I don't know if it was his lineup card or something, but I just burst into tears when he walked in. And, and I just said, Meach, there's something different about you and I got to know what it is. And instead of going out and coaching, like he was getting paid to do, he sat down with me and he shared the gospel with me. And um, I mean, I was blown away. And uh, about a week later, after wrestling with it, my mind at three o'clock in the morning, coming back from a road trip where the trainer made me go because he had to monitor my progress. I got down on my knees in that nasty, disgusting minor league bus and I gave my life to the Lord somewhere in the great Northwest in the middle of the night with the stars shining through the window. And that was amen. Wow, man. It's, uh, it's powerful. And I'm so thankful to hear it again. And, um, I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, that's sure. wow. You got to let it soak in for a moment. That's uh, yeah. that's that's a really neat neat story to to f- from start to finish. Really, I mean, now now that your journey began at that point, but yes, um, and, and so now we we got to catch up on on the journey since. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to me, a couple things that stand out is the fact that you noticed noticed something different about Meech. And, and I was just talking about that on a recent podcast that that's our, that's our greatest example. And actually yeah. we had a coach on, we had Lorenzo Romar, um, Romar from uh, Pepperdine. And he was talking about, Hey, I, I don't always have to say everything. I just try to live my life and, and be an example. Um, and there's a story, there's the other side of it that you're sharing today. Yeah. Um, so I love, I love that. But, uh, and then, you know, just the, the reality too, that God was, was, moving in the midst of because it was just interesting you showed up to the 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 chapel service i'm always interested when people like show up to church or you know what ultimately it's god wooing and Mm -hmm. pulling and and it's it it, you can't explain it um Mm -hmm. so that's what uh that's what jumps out to me but uh, but appreciate you sharing that all right so now i want to talk about a a few things just kind of what you're doing and so between your your radio show and podcast and speaking and, and and life coaching you're now pouring into others and, and sharing other people's stories as well and helping people with their own stories. And, and, and one of the things that just in reading about you, you know, living a life of passion. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm curious what that means for you and what kind of your passion now is in life and how you're helping others live with passion. Right. Uh, and thanks for, thanks for saying that. Um, I, so many men that, that I've coached, that have just been friends, men I've gone to church with, uh, men that I've led where I've coached their kids or, you know, my, my bride and I uh, a volunteer at our church in what's called a fusion student ministry at sixth grade through seniors in high school. We've been in it about 12 or 13 years and I've had so many conversations with volunteers that are struggling or um, just men that are parents of the kids or people that have worked in the church, people in the neighborhood. Uh, and again, being being on the Royals Alumni Board of Directors and coaching fantasy coaching Royals Fantasy Camp, I, I can't even count how many people I've met. Um, and there, there's a man who was the chaplain named Mike Lasardi. He's passed away since a couple of years ago, but he used to always say, "Credible mentor in my life." But he used to always say, "Behind every face, there's a drama unfolding." And what he's trying to say is that we all have our junk, man. It's it's what what you know. I I, I love listening to you because you. By the way, you have a better radio voice and a better TV voice than I do, man. We need to talk about that. I got to need to get some tricks with you. Um, uh, but I love it, man. You're so good at what you do. But uh, he was trying to say that, um, you know, people have their issue. You've got issues. I've got issues. Everybody mm-hmm. does. My my 20, almost 21-year-old son and 17-year-old son, they've all got that. There's this, and then there's mm-hmm. behind this. And so 
I want to help people first. I want to point them to the Lord. But oftentimes when people know you're a Christian, they, they pull away. But when they know you were a former royal or they know you were a professional athlete or you were an Olympian or you're on the radio or you're on TV. Oh, hey, dude, you're on TV. I remember watching. And it's I used to want to be in baseball because I thought that I needed to step on the platform of baseball or the platform of me. And I used to think that, well, I got the shaft, man. I only played two years in the big leagues and my manager wasn't cool and I kept getting hurt. and That wasn't fair. And guys kept getting going further than I did. And I thought, you know, wait a minute, uh, was that platform mine or was the platform Jesus Christ? And so mm-hmm. I want to, however, you know, Paul says to become like this person or become like this person. I want to meet people where they're at. I want to reveal to them how much Jesus loves them to show them, hey, it's true. It's in God's word that he can change your life. Um, there is a heaven, there's a hell and, and um, God died for you. He sent his son to die for you. And rose again. I mean, that's what Easter's all about. And so to bring that full circle, the idea is that it's hard for men that are seeking a life of passion or purpose when they don't know the Lord because it's in their own power. And right. people can be successful and make money, but you know, oftentimes, and I did this, I talked about this today with uh, the CEO of Character That Counts, Rod Hanley, on oh. in this society, what it means to be a biblical man of God. What should men be doing? Mm. And so many men view success in the terms of their finances or what their wife looks like or the car or truck that they drive or how many kids they have or the size of their home or how many homes or how many lake homes and all those things. But a lot of them eventually, it turns up empty. It turns up void. And so I want to present Christ to these men. I want to help them be the best husbands and fathers they can be first in a Christ-like way. But even if they don't know the Lord, how much the way that I love them, I want mm. Christ to be evident to them through me, like he was through Bobby Meacham to me. Yeah. And um, it's it's really important that uh, we can find our passion in life, but until we have that relationship with Jesus Christ, then that passion's only fleeting and it's only in our own power, which we both know never lasts. And so if I can do that through TV, through radio, through podcasts, through men's life coaching, through speaking through Royals alumni and fantasy camp and radio appearances and clinics and all those things, then that's the platform of why I spent all that time in baseball. It has nothing to do with the money I made or the hits I got it has everything to do with people coming to Jesus. That's it. That's it. And, and I love that phrase, the platform of me. Yeah. So you, is that something you use? Is that, I mean, I like that the, yeah. the platform of, of me. Yeah. The interesting thing about the platform of me, I mean, you think about quicksand, even though in the movies, quicksand was always super fast. It's your imminent death in three seconds. <laughs> quicksand actually doesn't work that way. But if if the platform of me, if we put the platform underneath our own life, slowly but surely, man, that that it starts sinking and starts going down mm. and things start going wrong. And it's not ever how you plan. And And even if it does go how you plan, we are left with the question, what then? Now what? And so I don't want it to be the platform of me. And oftentimes when I start to pursue something that I feel like I need to do and it's not fulfilling, I'm reminded, oh, yeah, let me go ahead and take the platform of me out from underneath and stand on the word of God, which is the real platform. So, yeah, it wasn't some big thing I invented or some, you know, wordy little thing. It's just simply uh, it's not about me and it never should be. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I was I was actually sharing in my life group last night and I was I was describing a season of my life. I was like, yeah, I was really during that season I was getting to the end of myself. And then as which was true, it was in that season and I was like, mm-hmm. wait, I'm still in that season. <laughs> that season hasn't maybe it was a heightened season, but but it's still it's that ongoing process of, you know, us decreasing, Christ increasing and 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 realizing, all right, it's not all about me. And it's yeah. It's, it's, it's a daily, you know, it's a daily battle. It is, and and I'll give you another quick example. Um, I play. It's a little bit unfair. I understand, so I know what you're going to think. But through our church, we have like three church softball teams, and it's nice. rec, it's rec league. Okay, yes, I know it. Um, <laughs> I have quite the high batting average in that league. So, but again, it, but it's that's not what it's about because there are other teams and umpires in the league that don't know the Lord. And mm-hmm. so I don't want it to be made out like I'm so, Oh, I'm doing this and this and TV, radio, life coaching, all that. I'm a human being too. And just because I know the Lord 
I still fail. Um, I had a conversation with my wife the other day about my selfishness and I'm the one that brought it up and, it, and that's a battle for me. It's a constant mm. battle. So we were playing the other night and in the softball game and this umpire is really caught up in the fact that I used to play for the Royals and he can't stop talking about it. And I want to remind him like, Hey, you're umpiring a game and there's a lot of people here. So I get it, but we can talk after the game. If you want to, I'm fixing to hit a double in the gap and hopefully I can make it without pulling a muscle. So, um, yeah. So, um, he, there was like five different in a row. He wasn't paying attention and I never, I never got on him whatsoever. I'm well aware of why we're there. It's rec league. It's a ministry. It's not, nobody's going to remember our slow pitch softball record. So, um, (laughs) they're just not. And so after the game, just with a couple of guys on the team, they were talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, man, he, he wasn't, it wasn't the best umpire in the world. He kind of kept looking away, not paying attention. And, but we didn't say something like that to him to be hurtful or anything like that. And the coach of our team is this 25 year old young man. And he said, Hey, Les, uh, come here real quick. He's in the parking lot. And I said, yeah, buddy, what's up? He said, I don't know if you saw this, but after the game, I went over to the umpire who was walking back and I want, I invited him to our church this Sunday. And he said that uh, he doesn't he doesn't really believe in stuff like that, but he really he'll consider it. And thanks for the invite. And he asked where we went to church and all those things. And mm. I'm a, his name's Alton. And I said, Alton, man, I'm 53 years old and you're like 25 and I'm supposed to be a leader out here. But, mm. you know, I'm so caught up in, you know, did we win or did the umpire make the right call or uh, just things baseball and softball related. And here you are wondering mm. is does that umpire know jesus and and that reminded me i'm a mm. selfish dude and mm. i need to make sure that i keep jesus always at the forefront of my mind the forefront of deep inside my heart and the foundation underneath me so it was a failure moment for me but a mm. super proud moment in a young man that really takes his relationship and his witness seriously gosh how cool is that especially yeah. The umpire is always the enemy, but to, uh, yeah. to actually care about him, that's uh, <laughs> it's refresh, refreshing to hear. Yeah, yeah. I know that I haven't played church baseball or softball, but uh, I was actually a guy in the office was talking about it yesterday or the day before. So um, people people are into it. They love it. Yeah, and it's yeah. an opportunity to relive the dream, but to actually mm-hmm. see it through the, the lens of a, a ministry opportunity. Yeah, uh, cool. that's a, a great story. Great story. Appreciate that. Um, the the other thing I wanted to, to talk to you about, because I, from what I gather, you started doing this life coaching within the last few years, right? So this is kind of a, yeah. a newer thing. Yeah. And, and and one of the things I think you're you're working with guys on is the healthy work life balance. And, mm, and this yeah. is something that I, almost everybody, especially men, relate to. And and I know I wrestle with it, trying to understand what it, you know what is balance. What is that? What, is that, what does that even mean? And and how do I juggle all that? all of my responsibilities and roles and, and all that kind of thing. So what, what are some of the, 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 the core principles that, that you're coaching people on and that you cling to for, for your own life? Right. Well, um, first and foremost, for me, um, it's, you know, my bride and I made the decision after I retired to go into business for ourselves. And so, you know, my speaking and all the things that I've mentioned that I do falls under our, our own corporation that my, my bride and I run and take care of. But we made the decision to do that because, you know, again, I didn't have a dad around. And so I wanted to be there. I've coached every baseball season they've ever had um, until my son stopped. My oldest son stopped playing. This is my youngest son's last year. I've, I've been coaching baseball for over 20 years and um, it's been a joy. I've, I've They've gone to hotels with me on speaking trips. Um, we've done all those things. And so I've always tried in my life to prioritize family first. I retired at 30. Not because I couldn't play anymore. I had job offers, but I retired because I wanted to start a family and because being a dad and being a husband were really important to me. And so I made family that priority after the Lord, of course. But again, there's still so many men out there that that really struggle with, okay, I want to make a successful business. Well, then they sacrifice the relationship with their bride. And well, I want to make a successful business and I work with my wife but you don't connect with your wife. And oh, by the way, you're missing basketball, baseball. And I think the reason I even started this was there was a, there was a guy, I won't mention his name, but there was a guy that I was a roommate with in AAA in my last year in 2000. And I, we were in Colorado Springs and I walked into the room one night and he was on the phone sobbing. And so I didn't want to interrupt, but my first thought was, buddy, are you okay? Is there something I can do? And he had, he had been in the minor leagues, the minor leagues, 
for 20 years. And he had one year in the big leagues, but he just kept living the dream. And he was a pitcher, so he didn't play every day. And he had one year in the big leagues, 19 years in the minor leagues. He was 40 years old in AAA, but he, he had missed Girl Scouts and soccer and basketball and proms and the one-on-one conversations and the thunderstorms. Can I get in bed with you? And the snuggles and the, the, missed, the, the tooth that's fallen out. You take floss and you pull it out. He'd missed all those things. Yeah. And so, you know, I tried to talk to him as best as I could, but I think that was a moment where I thought, you know, I really want to help people someday. And so now in the Christian sense, um, when I talk with men, we talk about a life priority. How are you spending? How are you disciplining yourself with quiet time? And if, and sometimes I'm guilty of this because I really like my sleep, but if I stay up too late, I'll get up too late and then don't make God my, my priority. And mm-hmm. so we talk about sleeping habits and eating habits that get our body and our mind right, that set us up to be able to need less sleep. So we can have consistent quiet time. The Romans 12 two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so um, we, we talk about how to prioritize your life based on spending consistent time with the Lord, um, based on then consistent time with your family um, and uh, based on time to exercise and then based on time to work the proper way. And so um, and then on the regular side where I coach guys that don't know the Lord either, but um, again, it, it's, we, we talk about what areas of their life do they feel they're successful at? What areas do they not? And so we try to really get an idea of what they're prioritizing, what they're not. And then I hold them accountable in weekly or, or by, by monthly sessions of, okay, now you have to report to me, how many hours did you spend doing this and this and this, and, and they have to respond to me. And again, truth and love, I let them know, well, you said you wanted to do this, but you've done this. And this is why you feel this way. And so what are we going to do to change those things? And so both for Christian men and then men that maybe not be believers, um, I I try to help them prioritize their life so they can balance work. They can balance their health. They can balance all these different things. So, you know, the Bible says there's a time to laugh. There's a time to Mm -hmm. cry. There's a time to work. There's a time to sleep. There's a time to be joyful. There's a time to date your bride. There's a time to every time we say yes to somebody else, we're saying no to our children. We're saying mm-hmm. no to our bride. And if you don't train yourself to say yes in the right order, then the people and things that are the most important in your life go by the wayside. And I didn't want to be the guy that uh, yesterday, mm. um, my son, uh, my oldest son has a girlfriend and he's in nursing school and he's just oh, such wow. a, he's a godly young man. And we haven't been connecting, not because we don't want to, but in passing, because we're both so busy. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I'm going to connect with him. And I decided to write him a letter mm. of if I was going to, I didn't write this in the letter, but I had it from the approach of what are you going to leave your son if the moment you stop writing the letter, you take your last breath? Mm. So um, I wrote the letter and affirmed him, told him how proud I am shared all the memories of the stuff we used to do when he was little. And then I loved coaching him and all those things. And uh, last night when he came home, he was with his small group because he's a, a leader, a fusion group leader at our church. And he met with his boys. He came home. He didn't know I put it on his desk and he, he went upstairs. And 20 minutes later, he came down and he jumped on me and sobbed and uh, said, wow. thank you. I'll never, ever let that letter go. Thank you so much for loving me. And, you know, he's 20, 21, almost 21. And to this day, he still calls me daddy. So, wow. wow. So does my 17-year-old too. And we have that relationship. But again, the idea is is that it's important to prioritize your faith first Mm. and everything that surrounds us as as men to set us up to be successful and to get close to the Lord. And then family next and then our work and all the other areas of life. Whew, wow. No, that's powerful, man. It's getting, uh, getting dusty in here. So, um, no, I appreciate you sharing that because that's a, a really powerful thing to do for our kids mm-hmm. and to know, you know, at, at different times in life too, but you felt that compelled at this stage where, where, yeah. where your son's at right now to write that kind of letter um, is, is really neat. And I think an encouragement to all of us, I've got young, young daughters. And, and so, Oh, bless you. I will be praying yeah. for you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
So, uh, so no, I, 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 I still relate to that concept, but then, but then to think about your story and, and just how God's redeemed your, your life and the relationship you had with your dad to now have this relationship with your sons, uh, man, that's, that's remarkable. And you see God's hand on that. Um, very, very, very neat. Well, Les, gosh, I, we've only scratched the surface. I had a a million other things to, uh, I talk too much. It's what I do for a living. That's right. That's right. And so I want I want people to hear a little bit about both of your shows so that they can check out more. Um, so so one is called Breaking the Norm, uh-huh. and you've been doing that for a while. And then you've added a new podcast with your church called The Watching World. So right. so take us into your uh, approach and format and, and what people can expect for, for either one of those shows. Sure, buddy. Thanks for asking. Um, Breaking the Norm is a show. It actually airs in Kansas City. It's on our ESPN affiliates. Uh, it'll air Tuesdays at four o'clock central on ESPN Kansas City, which is 94.5 FM. And then the replay Saturday mornings at seven central AM on uh, Sports Radio 810. So people can go to 810WHB.com and check out all the replays there. And uh, so I again, it's 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 a national sh- uh, station at Union Broadcasting, and it's not necessarily about sports i i talk to entertainment people music people sports people local heroes um i ne- it's airing next week i just interviewed a man named jim meskimen who is a master impressionist he's an actor he's been in over 200 movies people would know him if they saw him and um he actually is the son of marion ross who played mrs cunningham on happy days oh wow um, yeah it's just the interesting people that i've got to meet um i just interviewed danny Goki and matthew west not too long ago um, so they could be people of faith and and just people that you may not know, people you might recognize. But the cool thing is, is that the people at Union Broadcasting, I've been doing that show for 11 years, and I've shared my faith probably over a thousand times mm. in 11 years. And I wouldn't stop doing it even if they asked me to because I pay my way to be on the air. But um, th- when I get the emails that people say, hey, I just want you to know I, I listened to the show about this father-son relationship and because of that, I've reconnected with my son after 20 years, or um, I've made the commitment. This um, There was a young man who listened to our radio station, and I'm a guest sometimes on Tuesdays in an afternoon segment for the Royals, and that's where it's not part of my show. And there was a guy that knew another guy that went to fantasy camp where I coach, and they were talking, and somehow I came up. And he told his buddy that I was a life coach. Well, they also heard me talking on Tuesday that I was a life coach. So he emailed me and said, hey, I'm interested in maybe one free session of life coaching. So I called him and we talked for 10 minutes. And by the end of that 30-minute conversation that turned into a 90-minute conversation, not only did I have a new client for life coaching, he got saved on that very first phone call just by him asking questions and me just sharing my faith with the guy. So I know, I know. So the show is just simply about something good and something positive. The Watching World podcast is through our church, Abundant Life, and we talk about relevant issues, people in the church. Today, we again, we just talked about biblical manhood. Uh, We've Mm. been talking about the proof that Jesus really exists um, and why archaeological proof, eyewitness proof will talk about what what worship means, raising daughters. There's a, you should look this up, man, because one of our, one of our pastors has three young daughters and his wife came in to talk about what it means to raise godly daughters from a mom's perspective. So people can go to the watching world podcast dot simplecast.net and check that out. Or you can just go to our church's website is livingproof.co. And if you click on the more section, you'll see the podcast and you can click on that and just check out the, uh, or you just Google it, the watching world podcast, and it'll come up. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll put that in the, in the show notes. So yeah, thank you. Buddy. Uh, that sounds great. And yeah, I need to check that one out about raising, raising daughters. So that's, yeah, that's, that's a good, good one. Stuff. Awesome. Well, Les, man, keep up the great work, keep being bold about your faith and uh, man, it's, it's encouraging and inspiring and, and love to hear all that, that you're doing and, and so glad to have you back on unpacking it. So I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. And, and I'll say, look, you know, you have been so kind to, to elevate me and say great things. And, and I'm honored to be on here again. And, and we have to, even if it's just you and I on the phone, we can't wait five years again, for sure, man. You bring an energy and a, a love for the Lord that I just want to put around me. So hopefully we can do that soon. But 
But let's remember, like I said, behind every face is a drama unfolding. You got mm. your stuff. I got my stuff. Yeah. And man, none of us are anything without the Lord, but he loves us so much that as this, as this Easter approaches, um, let's remember that, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he had your, my, and everyone's face in mind. He knows mm. us intimately and he longs to have a relationship with us intimately. So you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be willing to, uh, to, to accept him. So. Amen. What a wonderful way to end with Les Norman. Check out lesnorman.com. His show's Breaking the Norm and the Watching World. And he's here today on the MetaShare guest line. It's the Unpacking It podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Sharing the personal side of sports. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. We're back in the Unpacking It studio. Wow, what an awesome conversation with Les Norman. And I want to unpack uh, one aspect of that conversation a little bit further. And that's when he was talking about the platform of me. And I'm sure all of us can relate to this. I know I can because it's so easy to get so caught up in ourselves. And this plays out in a lot of different ways for different people. For some, it's you know all about arrogance and pride and, and wanting people to, to, to notice us or tell us how great we are. There, there's that. There, there's also just the platform of me when it comes to we're all we think about. <laughs> like we, don't, we don't think about how we can serve others, impact others, sacrifice for others. Uh, it's just all about me and what I need to do and what – I want to do and have to get done. And so it's easy to get caught up in that. We also can get so caught up in the platform of me when it comes to feeling sorry for ourselves, uh, being so uh, defeated, being the victim. Uh, many times we are the victim, but we can stay in that victim kind of mentality. And, and, and really, it's just it's all about us. It's all about, oh, poor me, the, the pity party type attitude. So I think he was talking about, you know, being an athlete and the, the challenge of the platform of me and, and all these guys, they, they, they get served from, you know, being a high school athlete, to college athlete, the pro athlete, they can very easily get very selfish. It's all about them. It's all about them getting better. And, and so I get that. I understand why there is that culture of me, you know, so much in, in sports, uh, but it, it, it's, it's with us too. We, we it plays out in different ways the the platform of me the culture of me the <laughs> you know we we always wonder like oh we always blaming somebody else but usually it's a, it's it's our it's our issue it's our problem and and it's really surrendering and getting to the end of ourselves i read a book by kyle eidelman called i think it's called the end of me uh so that's a good book uh encourage you to check that one out but it's an ongoing process like i said during the interview uh, I went to a, I went through a, a real specific season of life where God was really telling me, "All right, you got you got to get over yourself, get to the end of yourself." But it's also been an ongoing process. There, there are now kind of new ways that it happens. Now, even as a dad, I realize even more how selfish I am, and or even how selfish I want to be. My two daughters need me, and so I have to fight against that and wrestle with that. Because I just want it to, to be about me. I want to do what I want to do. And <laughs> I love my daughters very much. But you understand the, the, the pull that's there. Um, and then from a spiritual standpoint, the most important standpoint, it's are we, are we putting our, our feet and standing on the platform of God and his word? And, and that's our foundation. Because I love what Les was saying where the platform of me is like quicksand. And it's actually slow, which is always funny about quicksand, but that slow but surely we start sinking. And, and ultimately we realize, too, the platform of me leads to emptiness. It's not satisfying. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't fulfill us the way that sacrificing, laying our lives down for Jesus and others. Um, that's where true fulfillment is found. And, and so we have to continue to die to ourselves every day. Um, it's kind of that, that metaphor of, of taking up our cross. It's a verse, but taking up our cross and following Jesus. Uh, but that's, that's what we have to do, uh, where we die to our selfish desires. We, we die to the, the platform of me, 
and 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 with open hands and, and a surrendered heart, all right, Lord, what do you what do you want me to do? Who who can I serve? How can I serve you? How can I follow you? And in what ways do I need to rid myself of myself, of the platform of me, where, hey, everybody, look at me. Look how great I am. Hey, I want this. I want that. <laughs> and even in our prayer life, get out of the way, the platform of me. Stop putting ourselves up and say, all right, God, I need, I need all these things. Do this for me. Do this for me. All right, Lord, what do you have for me? What if we, what if we switched our, 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 our heart's perspective and uh, how we're, our posture uh, toward, toward him? So I, I know this is uh, an encouraging concept to, to, for me and, and topic to discuss. And uh, I'll say it one more time, the platform of me. It just kind of, it just resonates with me. I think, I think it's, you know, we stand on that platform of ourselves. I want, I want, I want this. I want that. Oh man. Uh, it's, it's, it starts when you're two years old. I'm seeing it with my two year old. It starts then. It probably starts even before that, but it, it's there and it, and we have to continue to fight against it. So there you go. There's uh Les Norman. Great stuff from him. Very, very encouraging. I hope you were encouraged as well. I appreciate you listening today. Good baseball. Got nice to have a baseball player on. I don't think we've had one on in a while. So Hopefully the baseball fans uh, enjoyed that especially. But I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. For more information about the show, our events in Charlotte, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.